Get him stopped. Get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Inflated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, they'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone. My name is Ross Weiss, and welcome to Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series and the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series presented by Toyota. Really great guest on the show this week as Brady Bacon joins us fresh off his finally. First World of Outlaws win uh, this past weekend at the Tri-State Speedway in Hobstadt, Indiana. You're going to hear another voice in addition to mine on the show this week is Nick Graziano from our office here at World Racing Group. Joins me during the interview. Got a couple great questions for for Brady as him. And hopefully you'll hear Nick a little bit more on the show as we go forward as well. We start working some more people into the co-host chair. So without any further ado, here is the 150th different winner in World of Outlaws history. Fresh off his first career World of Outlaws win this weekend at Hobstadt. Brady Bacon. So this will now become an open red flag situation. First off, I just want to start with Brady. Is it is it kind of a feeling of relief at this point? Like you probably should have had two or three of these outlaw hopstop wins at this point if things had fallen the the right way, but is it a sense of relief you know finally this this happened yeah um, for sure i mean like 2012 we were leading that hop stop and and broke um so it's been kind of a long time uh back and forth with hop stop and then i you know sometimes the schedule didn't work out where i could run and you know every time we couldn't race when there was not always a hop stop it felt like there was just another one slipping away um and then we even had you know like lake of the ozarks um an outlaw win slip away um so i'm definitely glad to get it done kind of feels appropriate to win at hopstop for my first outlaw win and um hopefully it's def- hopefully it's not the last and i think we uh, are actually kind of putting a team together that's capable of winning uh more places than just at hopstop talk to me about you, you kind of mentioned the schedule not always allowing you to go to hopstop kind of take me through the logistics of your past week because you were originally supposed to be in texas for i think of a four-night race weekend with USAC down down there at a couple different places. So that gets lost to, to rain. What does the lo- logistics look like for you to kind of pivot and go away from a weekend of non- non-wing racing to get ready for a pretty busy weekend in the, the 21 car on the wing side? Um, yeah, fortunately we do have um, kind of more equipment than we've had in the past with Kelly Hink um, doing the, the wing sprint car side. So we had the cars all ready, but we only have one um, truck and trailer. So once um, they canceled the Wednesday portion of um, the Texas swing, that enabled us to, to free us up to go to Burlington um, on Tuesday. But then at that point, they still hadn't canceled um, the Thursday night of Texas. So we actually had to load up another um, trailer uh, for a friend of ours, just a small enclosed trailer with both um, the 69 cars to um, 
so we went to Burlington with the 21H, and then we were going to swap swap cars at the track after the race and then go to Texas straight from Burlington, and he would bring the 21H back to our shop here in Union City. But um, fortunately, that got um, canceled before he had to drive all the way out there. And then we, uh, you know, hustled back to the shop after Burlington. Devil's Bowl got canceled, um, got the car ready for, for Granite City and Hobstock. So, um, you know, I was looking forward to that Texas swing with USAC, but uh, the way things worked out, um, we're definitely not going to complain about losing it um, because we were able to get that first outlaw win. And I was able to uh, be back in home in time to see my daughter's uh, dance recital on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously a lot of jumping around. You do a lot of racing in a lot of different kind of cars. Uh, even like you said, the craziness of just kind of figuring out that week and then getting to that outlaw race. How how do you deal with that mindset of going from car to car and kind of remember reminding yourself like, oh, I got to do this with this car, this with that car. Oh, this has a wing on. I got to do this now. Uh, yeah, the driving part's actually not um, that difficult. They're so different that um, they don't really overlap very much. Hobstot's the place where they probably overlap the most. Um, some of my non-wing tendencies actually helped me at Hobstock rather than kind of hurt me everywhere else. But um, kind of the way our, our teams operate, everything's here at our shop now. Um, so it, it adds a lot of consistency. Same crew guys, same equipment. I mean, the 21H is virtually identical to my 69 car um, besides the few little differences um, that go wing to non-wing, the front axle and bird cages and, and stuff like that. But it's... Um, I think it's an advantage for us to have everything the same and, and know, um, know what we got when we get to the track. Um, the difference, you know, in setups between the wing and the non-wing is our biggest challenge because we don't race as much. And then with the new tires this year, it took us a few nights to kind of get a grasp on that. But I feel like we're making some progress and, and, you know, we we had a top 10 at Granite city, the, the first night of the weekend. So, um, we're kind of every wing race we ran this year, we've just kind of crept, crept up close to the front every time we hit the track. You talked about there being kind of less habits you had to break running the wing car at, at Hobstot, which was like the next point I wanted to bring up. But what is it about Hobstot that makes it such a wild card for the guys that run wing cars weekly? Uh, it just like the, the straight, you know, keeping your car straight, um, the things that you have to do everywhere to be fast, kind of gets thrown out the window and actually hurts you at Hobstot if you try to keep your car too straight. So um, the non-wing guys, obviously, we feel like Superman at Hobstop with a wing. Because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we actually struggle there non-wing. And then the, their, their local guys, especially like Kyle Cummins, I mean, he's competitive everywhere. But there's some local guys there that maybe have their cars set up a little unconventional compared to us. And they're uh, really tough to beat at Hobstop. And we kind of have to um, fight through um, the stuff that normally works for us doesn't work at Hobstot. So uh, we have a similar feeling when we go there non-wing as I'm sure the outlaw guys do when they go there and have to race us non-wing guys at Hobstot. So it's just a really tight, super tight corners. The surface is different than anywhere else we'd rather go. And he, you know, works the track two to three times a night. Um, so it kind of keeps you guessing. It's the track changes throughout the night, but it always looks the same. So it's almost <laughs> like, um, you know, like IRP and pavement was always difficult because you could go there one time and, you know, you're pushing the right front off the car and you go there the next time. And it obviously looks the same. It's pavement, but, and then you're about to spin out. So 
Hobbslot can be like that a little bit. Um, we have an advantage because we race there. We kind of know what to expect. Um, and um, we typically, once you kind of find where you need to be at Hobbslot, the, the rule of thumb is do not touch your race car. Um, it doesn't matter how bad you want to. Um, it was kind of a joke at the USAC race there in the spring. We actually put tape on our 916th wrench section. Of the <laughs> do not change the car. Uh, you know, we, I, we heard some guys talk about it in interviews throughout the night, but, you know, it as, as a couple guys who aren't in the driver's seat like Nick and I, as we kind of sit and watch the race, it looks like the the cars really do some weird things there, too, it looks like. We saw, you know, Hunter Schoenberg talked about, you know, it feels like it, you know, it's so easy to spin them out because of how hard you enter the corner there, but but then some guys go in and it looks like the car just wants to throw the nose if you if you enter just the littlest bit wrong. So what's what's some of that weird stuff that a wing car does there that you have to kind of overcome, or does it feel less weird to you because of the non-wing background? Yeah, it's similar issues, but less of it for me. Um, you know, it's the same things you're fighting. You have to really get your car kind of thrown in the corner to load your right rear to stick. Um, but then if you threw it in too far, then it's about to spin out. And if you don't get it in hard enough, then you lose your front end. Um so I feel like my, my window there with the wings a little bigger. Um, but even like in my heat race, we struggled um, kind of behind Brad there getting tight. And um, another thing is the track changes like on a yellow, the track goes through like a couple phases as you go on a green flag run um, as the cars like we roll around and pack the track down. Um, it definitely is not the same as after, you know, five or six laps of, of a green flag run. You have to, you kind of get your shot to maybe pass somebody on the bottom on the first lap or two have a restart, but then you kind of have to get back up to the cushion and then you kind of can start working your way back down the track as I, it gets churned up as I call it. But, um, it's just really unique. And, um, like I said, we do have an advantage, maybe kind of knowing what to expect, but, um, you mean you go out for the heat race and, you know, we feel like our can't turn and then you go out for the dash and it feels like you're on top of the racetrack sliding around again. So, um, and you can't see that when you go out there. So you just kind of kind of feel it and, you know, adjust your how you drive throughout the race. So at what point in the night did you feel like you had the car to win? Was it at some point during the feature? Was it before the feature? Or was there that certain turning point within the race? You're like, all right, we got something here. Or was it just in those final laps? You're like, I'm just going to throw it in here and see what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, our car was good all night. Um, I was a little concerned that the track was going to get faster in qualifying after we went out because geo went right after us and and dropped you know set a quicker time than us and i figured it was going to keep dropping but it kind of plateaued off um got a little concerned in the heat race our car wasn't very good but then in the dash um i felt like okay we got something to work with and then um you know the hardest part is just it's really hard to pass good cars at hobstock especially in the front of the field when everyone kind of has some air and can get spread out but um once I got to second uh, and I saw Sheldon was about to get in lap traffic, I was like, okay. Um, I knew my car was really good in traffic, so I knew if I could catch him, um, we, we definitely had a shot to, to use lap traffic in our favor and pass him. So I think I found a little extra in the tank once I could smell that, uh, you know, at least the chance to win. And we, uh, you know, kind of gave it all we had and were able to get there. So what is that like? in the car what are you what more are you putting into the car that you weren't able to before is it just trying to hold it in there a little bit more is it more throttle than you were trying to before what are you doing that helped you get to sheldon and, and just kind of drive away and be so good through lap traffic 
uh, yeah, I don't really know. It's not really something you're thinking about. It's just, um, you know, it took me a, um, a lot to get by Macedo, um, which I knew was going to be tough because his car's always really good there. But once once you have open racetrack and you can do whatever you want, um, you can add a lot of speed that way just alone, being able to run wherever you want to on the racetrack. Um, and then um, I knew that I could move around once I got there. And then, like I had, had mentioned, it was, uh, you know, several laps into a green flag run. So I knew that we would be able to move around if I needed to. Um, and uh, just kind of happened really fast. We pulled right up on him. Um, and then uh, that one one corner, we were able to kind of get get the car really tossed in there and, and maneuver through those two lap cars. And um, I think we kind of surprised him sliding him there in one and two and um kind of he lost his nose a little bit and it helped us get a little bit of a gap that's kind of another hard part you can pass somebody at Hobstadt, but it's hard to stay past them because mm-hmm. the way the track is they can just slide right back underneath you and sometimes it takes three or four you know exchanges before you can actually pull pull free of them yeah that you kind of hit on what i wanted to ask you about next there but definitely that that move to kind of diamond off three and four and clear those two lap cars in one corner and then still have the the momentum to to slide Sheldon at the the other end. Kind of walk me through that kind of lap or two because um, it was it was obviously a, a key move to get you the lead. But I think you surprised more than Sheldon. I think all of us watching at home were kind of surprised Whoa. too to, to kind of <laughs> yeah. watch the broadcast and see all the momentum you carried there uh, from clearing two lap cars to all of a sudden being clear Sheldon in the next corner. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of his momentum was broken because he had to pass those lap cars too, and. Um, you know, the way I passed them, I had a little more room to, you know, kind of get my car set up. And, um, that's kind of crucial at Hobstad. If you can get your car turned early and make a longer straightaway out of it, you can really gain a lot of speed. So, um, as long as the, that gap didn't close of those lap cars, I knew I was going to be able to have, you know, a pretty good run on them. I didn't really anticipate being able to slide him immediately. Um, but it had just kind of broken his momentum enough that we, just had a good enough run and I knew my car would, you know, be good enough to stick the bottom and, and be able to slide up in front of him. So, um, you know, he didn't really get the, a good um, approach into one because he was kind of down in the middle of the racetrack. Um, so that that's also pretty important how you where you get entered in the corner at Hobstock because you have to throw the car so hard. If you get in too low, it's hard to keep your momentum. But um, uh, we were just able to kind of slide up there and, and like I said, kind of mess him up a little bit. Um, pushed he he shoved the nose lost the nose a little bit and then and then we had a a car good enough to keep maneuvering through lap traffic and not uh, get slowed up too much you you talked about we we talked about earlier how how many times you you tried to get outlaw win and here it is you you finally got one so what did it mean what does it mean in general for you to to have an outlaw win like you said it was one of those bucket list things you're trying to been trying to get yeah i mean i um you know i grew up um, in Oklahoma and so like non-wing sprint cars we didn't re- I didn't really know about non-wing sprint cars till like Thursday Night Thunder and um, you know till I was like 13 14 years old when kind of the internet got a little more prevalent and you could uh, get a little more information than uh, just you know watching um, you know RPM tonight on Wednesdays and they had five minutes of open wheel cars and you know at the end of the show but, um, you know, the outlaws would come to Tulsa Speedway and, and Oklahoma City, and that was like, you know, it. If you wanted to, you know, back then, you didn't say, I want to be a NASCAR driver. You said, I want to be a World of Outlaws sprint car driver. So it's always been, you know, 
the pinnacle of, of sprint car racing, um, wing sprint car racing, especially. And, um, that's just kind of the last, you know, thing that I hadn't accomplished in my career. I've won all-star race. I've won ASCS races, USAC sprint car, midget, silver crown, pavement, dirt. Um, but I had never won an outlaw race. So, um, it was just kind of a pretty proud moment to, to, you know, add that to my resume. You mentioned earlier, your car owner, uh, Kelly Hink, what you know they've they've been in this game a long time as owners of that pretty you know pre, pretty well known twenty one car. But what's the significance to them to get an outlaw win, and the significance to you to be the one that you know got them an outlaw win? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just uh, got off the phone with Kelly about uh, thirty minutes ago. Um, so I, you know, he said he, he watched. Uh, I think he said he watched the video several times and just to make sure we actually did win um, uh, he said he had watched the video from lake of the ozarks and the tire went flat every time he watched it so he wanted to make sure that it went the other way but uh it's just really um cool kind of the way that we have kind of assembled our team to be associated with such great people and um it makes it all the more special to be able to get you know cool wins for for good people. Um, and that's kind of what I've been able to kind of build my career on is, uh, you know, making relationships with good people and taking care of people and treating them right. And then, uh, you know, in exchange, those people have, you know, helped me, um, and stayed with me throughout my entire career. And we've had a long relationship with the Hinks and I started just driving a micro form at the shootout and we've won, uh, you know, won the shootout a couple of times and won some other cool races and, you know, run some midget races, ran well, and then now, you know, we kind of came right out of the box swinging pretty hard um, at Lake of the Ozarks last year and almost won the outlaw race. But uh, to get to get one and kind of put the cherry on top of some of the things I wanted to do in my career and then to get them a, a really special win like that um, was, was really cool, and hopefully we can keep doing it. Well, all right, uh, Brady, we thank you for taking the time for us today, bud. Uh, we're going to let you go and get back to it, but uh, hopefully you get a little – your uh, weekend stay a little bit clearer as you go forward and you don't have to play a uh, kind of car lottery as you were this past weekend trying to figure out where you, <laughs> yeah. where you were going to race. But uh, we thank you for coming out to Hobstot with us and uh, congrats on the W and here's to many more. Yeah. 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 Thank you. We actually do still have to play a little, um, you know, car swapping this weekend. We're running double duty both nights at Eldora. So um, it's only about 30 minutes from our shop, um, but uh, we have to figure out some logistics to get everything there. And uh, obviously be busy nights, but um, excited to kind of see how we stack up on a, on a little bit bigger track and get ready for the big races, um, you know, the Kings Royal and, and stuff like that later in the season. Um, and then obviously, you know, continue our quest for another USAC championship. And um, Eldor is just a cool place and um, close for us. And hopefully we can pick off some wins. sounding marking the final two minutes of the open red flag conditions well that's going to do it for us this week here on open red thanks to every one of you for listening a few housekeeping notes before we wrap it up this week please do not forget to rate review and follow open red on whatever platform you were listening to it on so drop a few stars leave a comment hit that follow button that really helps push the show into the feeds of people who aren't subscribed to the show and listening every week yet don't forget to follow the World of Outlaws and the Extreme Outlaw Midgets on social media across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. There's accounts there to follow one or both series everywhere. 
If you have suggestions for guests on the show, don't forget to tweet me at Raw Suisse and use that hashtag OpenRed anytime you have a thought on the show or a note to get to me as well. Again, thanks everybody for listening. That's going to do it this week. We'll see you next time on Open Red. Hashtag Open Red.